Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and once again, welcome to the Master Key. Hosting, I am your guest host this evening. My name is Paul Jacobs, and I am just pleased to have the honor to be with you uh, for the next few minutes or so, for the next 60 minutes, quite actually. And in this time, I am going to share what God has been sharing with us since his word began, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of him. I want to give honor to Dr. E.J. McKenzie, your host, who uh, has given me the privilege and honor to be able to share with you some principles, some words, and a little bit about you tonight. So we're going to look at the words we grow up with. You know, many of us on the, um, you know, as we're growing up, we often say to ourselves, gosh, you know, what was my life like as a kid? And you often say to yourself, gosh, man, those are some things that really just impacted me and really shaped who I am. Have you ever said that to yourself? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I honestly have been in that uh, place myself. But I wanted to share, just beginning with something that struck me. I know many of you, if you're like me, you, you like movies, and there are movies that have impacted us and just stick with us for life. Well, in the 2011 film, The Help, Viola Davis, the actress, plays a black maid in the 60s in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, working for a white family, raising their young daughter. Her character, Abilene Clark, recites every morning for this little girl that she is so careful with and she is charged to take care of on a regular basis as this little girl grows up. And she, every morning, she shares a confession with her that in the hopes that she will begin to shape her future. <laughs> you all know it. If you want to say it with me, you can if you remember the movie. She says, every morning, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. Yeah, I know. The grammar is not quite there. It's not what you and I would say to our kids growing up, but the message is more important than the grammar. I want you to just think about it. This baby is growing up in a bigoted home. The parents whose views of people of color and the world, quite frankly, are very racist. You saw throughout the film that the words that they would speak openly and behind closed doors. You see, these are the same words that are going to shape this little girl's mind and, quite frankly, even her life. So Abilene, every morning, with passion, with vigor, and with love in her heart, exuding out of her mouth and in her eyes, she says to the baby girl, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. You know, these seeds planted in our children, what was planted in us even as children and up to today have shaped the real us. They've caused us to think, to act, and quite frankly, to believe. But what do we believe? Do we believe that you were smart, you were kind, you were important? What do we believe? Well, let's turn to our foundational scripture, will you? I want you, if you're using your iPad, your iPhone, maybe you're listening to us on, uh, online and not necessarily the phone, maybe you have your Bible open. Turn with me to Proverbs verse, chapter 23, verse 7. I'm reading first out of the New King James Version. The scripture says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Full stop, right? No. You see, that's where many of us as Christians, we stop. We, you know, we've got so many ways to say it. For as a man thinketh, so is he. If you grew up in the King James Version, uh, you know, you, you've said it so many times in church. You've heard so many messages, but it doesn't stop there. You see, we want the full counsel of God's word. Listen again to the full verse of that scripture, Proverbs 23, verse 7. The scripture says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, 
he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Let's look at that again, but this time, let's look at it in the Amplified Version. The Amplified Translation says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As one who reckons, he says to you, eat and drink. Yet his heart is not with you, but is grudging the cost. But is grudging the cost. You see, there's something that we're seeing here as we break down this word that we probably missed for all these years. As a man think, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But it's not just that. What is he thinking in his heart? Listen to the Message Bible. The Message Bible says, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 as the Message Bible breaks it down for us so we can get a better understanding. Don't accept a meal from a tightwad. <laughs> you know, I shared this message with our congregation just about a week or so ago, and I asked the youngest member of our congregation. She's an 11-year-old girl. She's a fireball. She's a sweet little girl, and she was sitting next to a 12-year-old, and I asked the two young ladies, I said, do you know what a tightwad is? I know many of you probably have heard that term. I hope none of you have been called a tightwad before. But uh, we understand it's someone who is tight-fisted with things, namely money, of course, in most of the context that we're used to. But quite frankly, it can be in a lot of other ways. A tightwad can be someone who's uh, uh, a miser, uh, very stingy, very greedy with their time, with their the treasures and the talents that they have. They could be very greedy in how they, uh, you know, help you because they always want something, but they're not willing to give anything up, or they're not willing to give up anything at all. Listen to this again in the Message Bible, verse Proverbs 23, verses 6 through 8. Don't accept a meal from a tightwad. Don't expect anything special. He'll be as stingy with you as he is with himself. He'll say, eat, drink but won't mean a word of it. His miserly serving will turn your stomach and realize the meal is a sham. And again, I, I, I had to take a moment as we meditated on that word. I had to turn to those two young girls and I said, you know, kids, I, I wanted to make it applicable even to the youngest of years because, again, this is critical when you hear the rest of what I'm going to share with you. I said to those girls, I said, do you know what a sham is, girl? And they shook their head, no. They hadn't heard that, and I'm glad that they had never heard that vocabulary because, quite frankly, the context in which they would hear it wouldn't be a vocabulary test at school. You see, the sham, many of you and I know, is a, is a conjurer. It's a, it's a fake. It's a, it's a, quite frankly, a con, if you will, and it, it's not real. It's not real on the on on the surface. It's 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 on real only real. Excuse me, on the surface, and it's not real deep down. When you realize the meal is a sham, you see, Proverbs warns us to stop trying to be someone that we're not. This proverb is not necessarily just talking about changing our heart, but changing our heart as a res, as a result of what has been planted, probably from the objective realm, something from our emotion, our senses, things that are subject to change. You see, the proverb says it's warning us, warning each and every one of us to try not to be someone that you're not. Stop striving. Dr. McKenzie's been teaching so beautifully on striving, that we, we strive to be a better, better father. I know I have, and I've made a mistake every single time. We strive to be a better son. We strive to be a better employee. We strive to be a better neighbor or a friend. You see, stop striving towards something that will not work out or will fly away in the end, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. You see, the truth is that we all do it. We all engage in a form of, well, self-talk. Again, it's the words that we grew up with. You see, this self-talk is either towards ourselves and unfortunately as we grow older, well, quite frankly, it starts from young. It's also towards others. You see, we're planting seeds, getting seeds planted in us 
but we're also planting seeds in others, you see. My strongest memories when I was a young man of my mother and father's marriage were very volatile, very sad. My parents now have been separated and divorced going back as probably as young as nine years old. I'm in my late 30s now. It's, it hurt me to see the ones that I love so much could so openly tear each other down. Now, I want to make a disclaimer in this and that my parents are probably as close as they ever were. They're friends now. <laughs> Time heals all wounds, they say but there's a lot of application to heal those wounds. But that's a story for another day. You see, my parents have made amends to the mistakes and to the offenses and the offs that they've had for all of these years. But unfortunately, there's been a lasting effect. But let's go on. You know, I, I remember later as a teenager, you know, it was you know, I was a, a very important part of that, those uh, ugly two words, joint custody. You know, which basically meant that I was old enough to drive my siblings and I back and forth to my parents' home. Uh, then it began. You know, those weekend visits to mom and my brother and sister's weekend visits where I lived at my dad's. You see, I the the process began as probably as old as I could remember beginning to understand what was going on. I used to hear words like, "You're just like your father," or "Listen to you." That's something your mother would say. Painful. <laughs> Some of them were, you're always doing this and I just can't stand it. Have those words ever been real to you towards someone else? Or maybe this one. Don't you have a brain? What's the matter with you? All of that begins the process of planting seeds. All of that begins the process of words that we grow up with. <laughs> you know the, the, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always follow me. I know that's not how it goes, but it's true. I ask you, what are some of the harvest that you think, what's going to come up from those seeds that were planted in such a young life as mine or yours or anyone that heard those words out of our mouths or out of the mouths of people that we trusted and we loved or we looked up to. What was going to happen to me? I didn't know back then. You see, what ended up happening in my life that I began drinking alcohol uh, at the age of 12. I, I, re I still remember that first time that I actually got drunk. I actually uh, woke up with a hangover. I was 12 years old. <laughs> I remember thinking it was a sign of maturity. It was what I saw, and quite frankly, it was okay when I was growing up, looking at my parents and seeing what I saw. I remember smoking marijuana at the age of 16 years old. I remember by the time I was 19, I had a job working just about 45 minutes away, and I would drive into work with my good buddy. And he always had a joint rolled up, ready to go on the way back from work just so we could relax. I didn't have a healthy understanding of who I really was because of these words that I grew up with. I remember losing my virginity in my teens. It wasn't someone I had had affection towards. It wasn't someone that I wanted to spend my life with. It. And quite frankly, I never even saw the young lady ever again. So as a result, it began a process in me that followed me into my adulthood. You see, by the time I was 21, and I remember even on my 21st birthday, it was strip clubs. It was the nightlife. It was happy hour. And by the way, let me just make a disclaimer right now if you're not aware. Uh, nobody's happy at happy hour, okay? <laughs> Booze is what numbs the pain, but it doesn't get rid of it. And that's what I learned the hard way. And at the age of 27, I finally discovered that I had a drinking problem, that I truly was hurting because that's who I be believed that I had become. That's who I really was in my own eyes. You know, 
there were even six of us kids. So you can just imagine that it wasn't just me alone. What kind of harvest, what kind of seeds and plants grew up as a result of those words? You know, my sister, she had her first child at the age of 15. But I remember after that, there were so many encouraging words of people around her. You're such a good mom. To this day, she's raised a daughter who's off to college and doing exceptionally well. She, my, my sister herself is a uh, registered nurse, and she's a medical professional finishing her degree. But it's a result of the words she grew up, grew up with around her. My younger brother, at the young age of 24, was shot and killed just two weeks after my wedding. Shot because he was a dealing with the wrong people, people that he thought were his friends, people that he thought, as they say, had his back. What were the kind of words that he grew up with? And that was the thing that caused me to share with you what I'm sharing. I, I had to delve deeper and, and really understand that there was something significant happening that I didn't know was going on on the inside of me that started a long time ago, and it began to grow out of control before I knew that I was out of control. At this point in our life, we ask ourselves, as I did myself, who am I? You see, it's not exclusive to a certain age group. It's not just our teenagers that are asking that question. I know many who are in their 40s and 50s today who are asking themselves that same question. I have one of my best friends, and he'll be turning 41 in a matter of, actually, tomorrow. And he's still asking himself that question, who am I? You know, many ask this question later in life. And, um, you know, don't worry. If you really think about it, I want to just tell you that the world has a name for that. <laughs> they call it a midlife crisis. You see, Everything's labeled. Everything has a name and everything has a um, connotation to get you to believe something that's not really you. And I need you to hear me and hear my heart. You know, in the conclusion, you know, of, excuse me, in the confusion of who, uh, who we are and, uh, you know, what we're put on this earth to do, you know, and succeed is what we're here to do and what we're here to, um, to basically become. Is, is not an exercise that's wasted on the young. See, this, a lot of times we look, I have three teenage daughters, 16, 15, and 13. They're looking at themselves every day in the mirror and wondering, you know, what are they going to become? It's not exclusive to just young people. We all, at all age groups, have to ask ourselves that question, who am I, if you don't know? And what am I here to do? What's my purpose? And purpose is found in one and that's Christ Jesus. And I'm going to share how you get there. Throughout my life even, you know, in, even into my marriage, after every failure, I always reverted back to the seeds that were planted, to the words that I grew up with. You remember me saying, sharing with you those words, right? You're just like your father. Listen to you. That sounds just like something your mother would say. You always do this, and I can't stand it. Don't you have a brain? What's the matter with you? As much as it hurt me, it hurts me to say that I probably shared those things towards my wife, towards my siblings, and unfortunately even towards our children. But God, I want you to just sit back and I'm going to say it again. I want you to repeat after me. But God. See, those are two words together that have great power. But God. And Abimelech had a dream exposing Abraham's lie to save his life. That's in Genesis 20, verse 3. But God and Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, who they thought their life was over. That's Genesis 45 and verse 8. But God and Israel was not cursed by Balaam, but they were blessed by God. That's Deuteronomy 23, verse 5. And but God and Jesus was raised from the dead. That's Acts, chapter 13, verse 30. You know, just some weeks ago, 
our our senior pastor, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, he, he uh, went away on a conference, and one of the things that I've been learning and, and developing in as a son, as a spiritual son, is understanding how to pray for my spiritual father, how to pray for my pastor. You, you all, if you get, if you if you learn to pray, please, I implore you, I ask you to learn to pray for your pastor because understand something. What is taught to us, Dr. McKenzie has shared this, and I've seen it happen over and over again. What's, what happens to the head flows down to the body. It's always the case. I remember he was leaving, and I remember the exact spot in the sanctuary when he was leaving. I, uh, he was going off in this conference, and I, I didn't you know what to pray for. So I just asked him, I said, sir, while you're gone, how can I pray for you? Well, I began to pray that Christ Jesus would begin to unfold himself more and more to him, to draw Dr. McKenzie deeper into who he, Christ Jesus, is. You see, I believed that as he got closer to Christ, as a dimension of Christ became more real to him, that what would happen as a result is that he would get closer to God and see another dimension of God. And of course, as I said, what's the principle? What happens on the head flows to the body. It's eventually making its way to you. But you've got to be connected. So what ends up happening? God ends up doing something, quite frankly, that just blows my mind. You see, we have a senior pastor, a, a man of God that is a selfless man. He's proven it time and time again, not only to me and a lot of the men in our, our congregation, but to many who serve and who attend Panorama Christian Center and who have been in relationship with him all these years that he has been pastoring and been saved, quite frankly. You see, he is a selfless man. And what ends up happening is we're praying for him. I'm praying so God gives him something for him. And what does God turn around and do? He begins to show Dr. McKenzie principles on on how to plant seeds, how to confess and how to realize the real us. I mean, who God created us to be? Well, we read the Bible. You know, we, we know what the Word says about us. But again, what do we believe? Well, it's evident. Whatever you believe, you do. Think about it. You know, Dr. McKenzie shared a principle that I can relate with on the broadcast just yesterday, and you can hear that on the archive section of Blog Talk Radio slash EJMPCC. He shared a principle of what if your neighbor came to you and said, hey, man, uh, I heard there was a, uh, a bus accident. Didn't your child take the bus home from school? Listen, I have three girls who travel great distances to school. Many of them at one point or another took a bus to school. I, I shudder the thought of what would happen, and many times I've encountered, you know, where's my daughter? What time is the bus getting here? And, of course, what I believe is what I'll do. I was worried something happened to the bus. I was worried something would transpire with my daughter. Did did they get into an accident? Did they miss the bus? And what often happens is what you believe and the words that you grow up with and how you are, you've been developed reveals, quite frankly, who you are and what you'll do. But see, God has another plan. You see, God has a word that he shared with Dr. McKenzie on how and who he created us to be. Seeds that God himself spoke about us in his word, but God provided him not only with scriptures and principles and these confessions. These are seeds that are planted on the inside of us Seeds of reality. You see, what I'm trying to share with you is simple. We all plant seeds of what we believe to be true. You know, the truth is going to come from many places. I mean, how did I develop this image of myself? Was it television? Was it the the boys I hung out with in school? For many of you ladies, it was your girlfriends in school. Was it maybe rehearsed? by words from family members? Did you hear or not hear certain things and it shaped who you are? Well, we take them as truth. 
But is it truth from God? Is it truth from your past? Is it the truth of your opinions of yourself or others? Is it the truth of the word that has been expected, excuse me, the world, of what the world expects of us? What truth is it? You know, I am a firm believer of a principle that if you believe that you will fail or you believe that you will succeed, you're probably right. I want you to take a minute to just meditate on that for a second. If you believe that you will succeed or you believe that you will fail, you're probably right. It starts in what you believe is truth. God has given you his word. God has given you his promise. And see, I was sharing with my wife just this morning that the word is so clear. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes to the Colossians talking about the mysteries, the mysteries of God, the mysteries of the power of God. And, and here I want to share with you what it says. It says the mystery which has, oh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now, I don't want to mess up anybody's theology, but before I continue, I want you to just, I want you to just understand something. When Paul's talking about saints, he's not talking about someone with a saint in their name. He's talking about you and I who have accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's, accept, he's talking about you and me. Let me read it again. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Verse 27. To them God willed to make known. God what? He wanted. He wanted to make known to you and I. He willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say that with me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Say it one more time. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Last time, I promise. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, what we need to understand is simply this, that the word of God is leading us closer to Christ in us to believe who we really are. From Genesis to Revelations, it's Christ communicating his love back to his creation. It's God speaking. It's God sending his son. It's God showing that his son, how his son demonstrated the word. It's showing how the word was planted on, on the inside, the reality of who the word is and who Christ is on the inside of us, planted on the inside of just common men and women. And then as a result, it's manifested. It's walked out. It's done. It's be, we have become. See, a person, when a person becomes, man, that's the true power. You know, it's not enough for me as a NFL player, an NBA basketball player, a, a, you know, a professional golfer, a, a pro tennis player, an athlete of any kind. It's not enough for me to read the playbook. It's not enough for me to strategize with my coach if I'm not willing to get out and become and step out on that word, step out on that promise. So that means that the mystery is Christ in you. And simply now, the hope of glory has become in you. So when you pray to him daily, you take him at his word. And when you take him at his word, you realize who he created you to be. And, and let me take it a step further, because this is so crucial. Who he created you to be is who he created everyone else to be. Okay, I know. You're, you're saying, okay, for a second, do you, do you mean for a second that that neighbor that's always driving over my lawn or that neighbor 
or that individual at work who's always giving me a hard time or that boss on my job that, that's being a hard case or maybe even that rude lady at the grocery store, yes. I, I have to share, a, take a pause and just share a, a quick story so you can understand how real it became to my family and I just a few short years ago, six years to be exact. I shared with you earlier that I lost my brother to a, a man, young man who took his life. That young man went was caught within 24 hours and went to trial. I remember when the judge, excuse me, the prosecuting attorney came to us, my family and I, and they asked us, quite frankly, we can pursue the death penalty. We can pursue the death penalty because he has a criminal past that's as long as my arm. He is what they call, and they titled him, so sad, a sociopath, that he is incapable of functioning properly within society. That this young man, who God told me was created in his image and his likeness, was now labeled incapable of functioning in society. Do we want to pursue his death. Now, please understand, I am not looking to get involved in your politics, but I'm looking to show you the Word of God. You see, the words that we grow up with, you see the promises of God, you see the Word that God has shared with us, it's meant for each and every one of us. We're created in His images and likeness. And so, when I tell you that God's promise is for you, I'm telling you that God's promise is even for that young man that took my brother's life. Well, the rest of the story was we prayed. We all individually, because, you know, my mother and my father and myself and my siblings, we, we all asked the Lord, what is your will? What do you want to do? And unanimously, we came up with the decision. We came to the decision, excuse me, that we did not want to see this young man die. We did not want to see him lose his life. In my heart, I knew that there would be an opportunity that he would give his life to Christ. If found guilty and the penalty was applied to him, that he would never come out of jail, but he would never go to hell if just someone would reach him with the love of Christ with the message of the gospel, to share with him the reality of the cross, what resurrection it did for him, and now that he himself can be enthroned as Christ Jesus is enthroned. In the word, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, where the word is clearly outlined for each and every one of us. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I'm going, to, I'm going to change it up to be real to the, this situation. Because as Christ is, so is this young man who took Adam Jacob's life in this world. He has a chance. And so God's promise is not just to the good. It's not just promised to the kind. It's not just promised to the cordial. God's promises to each and every one of us who are created in his image and his likeness because what he did is not who he is, the real him. And I want to tell you, what you have done is not who you are. It's not the real you. God's word is the real you. Have you made mistakes as a father or as a mother? Well, then, that's not the real you. It's something you did. Did you find yourself in a position where you made some wrong choices? Maybe you made some decisions and you lied on your taxes. Maybe you made some decisions and you, you, you hurt a relationship that was important to you. Maybe you made some decisions and you said some words that framed a thinking in your child. It's what you did. It's not who you are. And God has given you his word. He's given you his promise. And the reality of that word and the reality of that promise is to get you to realize that you were created in this image and likeness. 
and it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And how many of you, just for a moment, just take a second and think about it. How many of you have at least prayed to God at least one time for something in the midst of a need, in the midst of a real tough situation? You prayed to him, why? Because you believed that he could influence whatever you asked him for. You believed in the sovereignty, the authority, excuse me, the dominion, and the power of God. And so I want to encourage you by that same spirit and who you believe he is in that situation, I want you to realize that you today can believe him for what he says that you really are. I want to encourage you today. I want to share, before I continue, a quote. It's a book I'm reading, and it's a quote by a man named Randy Pope. He said, preaching is not talking to people about the Bible. It's talking to people about themselves from the Bible. I'm talking about you today. I'm talking about you putting down all those words that you've grown up with, those misconceptions, those lies that you've been told, those things that have shaped you, not because it's the real you, because it's what you've submitted to believe. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I want you to understand, God is saying that once you join to him, you are one spirit with him. You see, he created you. He saved you. And he gave you his Holy Spirit. But where is his Holy Spirit? Is his Holy Spirit in the trunk of your car? Is his Holy Spirit somewhere in your purse or your handbag or your, your suitcase or your, your briefcase, in your wallet even, taking it out like a debit card whenever you need it? No. He's in you. He's joined one spirit with you, and he's in you. He's ready to work through you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 45 and 49. Listen to this. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, an individual personality. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Restoring to the dead life. I want you to say it with me. I restore the dead to life. <laughs> I know some of you are really thinking to yourself, what do you mean by that, Paul? I have restored the dead to life. Well, once I finish today, and once you believe what God says about you, <laughs> the dead's about to rise. You are going to be restored back to life. Listen to this, verse 49. And we have, be uh, excuse me, and we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Did you realize when you look up in Webster's Dictionary, the word Born, the image, the man of dust. You see that word born? That's the past tense of the word bear. And what did the word say? What did God say about you? That you bear the image of the heavenly man. Think about it. The definition of the word bear. To have as a feature or characteristic. You have a feature and a characteristic of the heavenly man. Say it with me. I don't know where you're located right now in your life, but I want you to just say it with me. And say it forgetting everything you have ever done because that's not who you are. That's what you did. I bear the image of the heavenly man. Say it again with me. I bear the image of the heavenly man. Say it one more time. If the first two were just, they were struggling, I want you to say it again. And I want you to say it with some authority. Don't worry about who's in the room. Don't worry about who's in the cubicle across from you. Don't worry about who's in the car with you. Don't worry about if you're in the middle of the mall. Say it with me. I bear the image of the heavenly man. <laughs> it's going to begin to 
have a lifting effect. I, I, I sense the lifting right now. Just me saying that after a long day at work, focusing on my getting dinner ready for my daughters and all the things that go on in life and, and the, the dental appointments and the doctors and the back to school. I'm with you there. But as I said that, the word that God said about me, the truth of who I really am, not what I've done. Oh, God, I, I, I just thank you. I, I'm, we're going to say it one more time. I'm just led that we're going to say it one more time. And if you're that person who the first three times you've been listening, you're not still on this line listening to this broadcast after three times of saying this confession, you're not on by accident. So I want you, with whatever you have, say it with me. I bear the image of the heavenly man. And then First John chapter 4, verse 17. It says here, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. <laughs> as he is, so are we in this world. But when? When are we going to become him in this world? The answer is now, ladies and gentlemen. The answer is now. We are like him in this world. When? Now. Say it with me. Now. You see, Dr. McKenzie has been sharing so beautifully that we've been striving to get somewhere that we already are. I mean, think about it. Just imagine that your IRS refund came in the mail. No, better yet, your IRS refund, like many of us, get directly deposited into your account. Would you call the IRS and would you say, um, is this real? Is this money in here? What's going on? What can I do with this money? Can I withdraw it? Would you call them? No, you would begin the process of doing whatever you do with that refund. It's yours. It's already there. It's in your account. You have proof of it, just like the Word of God is your proof that you already are. Now, these confessions are the best of you. It's the best of who you are. You see, all of us, the fullness, I was just teaching this to our daughters the other day in devotion, that the fullness of who we are, Everything that we are is a dimension of Christ because he made us in his image and his likeness. We have a confession that Dr. McKenzie, that, excuse me, the Lord had spoke to Dr. McKenzie and he was diligent to write it down. When God speaks to you, ladies and gentlemen, write it down. Record it in your phone. Put it on a notepad, sticky note, back of a napkin, get something. Many of us like to write notes on our hand. That's okay as long as you're careful and wash it off after you've copped it somewhere. These 40 confessions, we're going to go through this 40 confessions together. It's, it's the makeup of you. But, but do you really think for a second that God only had 40 things to say about you? No. You see, these are the starting blocks. You know, many of you like me have been watching track and field, the world championship track and field. You're, you're watching for your favorite athlete to run and, and, and compete in the games. And if you're like me, you know the process. I ran track in high school. You hear, ready, set, and then you hear that gun go off. These 40 confessions that we're going to share, it's the starting point. I challenge each and every one of you, as we go through these 40 confessions, there's more that God wants to say about you that he already has, actually. It's in his word. It's in your spirit. It's your one spirit with him. So that means that he wants to talk to you. God has just started us here. You see, there's a young man that I met some weeks ago. Matter of fact, it was the, at a men's conference just the day before Father's Day, ironically, of all things. And so as a result, I shared with him some principles. I even shared my brother's testimony uh, not testimony really, but story, in, in which is our testimony of the family, and how his lifestyle led to some things that happened in his life and what he believed of himself. And this young man was just shook to the core. And I've been dialoguing with him back and forth, and I shared with him. I said, these confessions, 
they're just the starting blocks for you to have a real conversation with your Father in Heaven, with Christ that's on the inside of you. You see, we're starting here. The confessions, as we're about to share with you, it's not the only thing God wants to say about you. It's the beginning of what God wants to say about you, and he's got so much more. I've enjoyed my time with the Lord, so much so my my uh, my wife beat me to an idea that I had thought about a number of weeks ago, actually, and I left on a business trip just uh, last week, early part of last week. I wanted to take these confessions, and I wanted to record them on my phone. You see, I spend a lot of time in the in the planes and uh, in the air and, and in uh, airport terminals and hotel rooms and rental cars. And so I wanted something to listen to. Uh, Pandora does, doesn't do it for me anymore. And, you know, you can get the Christian station, you, you can get your favorite Christian artist channel and all that stuff. But I wanted to hear from God. And the Word is wonderful to hear and listen to. But I wanted to talk to God. And I thought, what a great opportunity. And you too can take that opportunity to record these confessions because, you see, we're going to go over them and you can listen to the broadcast again and write them down for yourself. And so when I got home after this long trip, I never got a chance to do it. My wife says, honey, I got, I got something to share with you. And, and I'm getting ready to minister on Wednesday night. And I said, well, babe, you know, I, unfortunately, I've I got to finish this, but I've got to check on my spirit. And I said, what is it, honey? And I got quiet. And she played this beautiful recording of who she said who God says she is. She played these confessions back to me as she recorded them. And it was only a confirmation that it was God who gave that idea that he wants us to begin to dialogue. And she customized it for herself, and I loved it. It was just so beautiful. And I pray that you do the exact same thing. The powers in the doing, ladies and gentlemen. You can listen to the message. You can hear the testimonies. You can understand what God's word says, but the power is when you put one foot in front of the other and step out and do it. I want to share with you these confessions. I want you to take a moment with me as I speak these confessions. I'm going to repeat, I'm going to say them, and I want you to repeat after me. Don't worry if you get caught up. Don't worry if you can't even pronounce the word. I tell my daughters all the time, there's some words in there you don't know, you may not know how to pronounce right now, but guess what? God knows what you're saying. It's, he's the one who's told you who you are, and he knows what you're telling him. So can we do this confession together with the moments that we have left on the broadcast? Can we take a moment to talk about how awesome we are? And it's not cockiness when I say that. It's not arrogance when I say that. It's confidence in who God says that you and I are. And because we're made in his image and his likeness. That's what he said. That's his word. That's his promise. So I want you to as I share this, I want you to repeat after me. And you don't have to say them loud. You don't have to say them screaming. But if you can, then do it and say it with confidence. Say it like you mean it. And if you don't get them all, don't worry. You can go back online and listen to the broadcast again. But I want you to hear God's word, God's promise, who you really are. I want you to start planting the seeds of reality and start changing the words that we grow up with. Are you ready? Well, let's, let's, let's do it. I am everything Christ is. I am that I am. And I cannot deny myself. You see, I am a life-giving spirit. I am a love-giving spirit. I am a joy-giving spirit. I am a dominion and subduing giving spirit. I am a righteous giving spirit. I am a bold and courageous giving spirit. I am a health giving spirit. I am a wisdom and prudence giving spirit. I am a faith giving spirit. I am a peace giving spirit. I am a charitable giving spirit. I am a truth giving spirit. I am a value giving spirit. I am a patient giving spirit. 
I am a sanctifying giving spirit. I am a reconciling giving spirit. I am a gentle giving spirit. I am a restoring giving spirit. I am an heir and joint heir giving spirit. I am a compassionate giving spirit. How are you doing so far? Are you with me? If you're like me, you're probably every time you say one of these confessions, you actually see yourself in a situation doing exactly what these confessions say. And if you haven't, that's okay. I want you to start every confession. We're halfway through. We're almost there. Hold on with me. Stick with me because we're going to get there together. When you hear me and, I re- and you repeat the confession, whatever context it is, I want you to see yourself in a situation doing it. What did I say? The power is in the doing. Say it with me. The power is in the doing. All right, here we go. You ready? I am a humble giving spirit. I am an obedient giving spirit. I am a kind giving spirit. I am a wealth giving spirit. I am a forgiving giving spirit. Mm, That's a good one. I am a kingly giving spirit. I am a Christ image bearing spirit. I am a revelation and illumination giving spirit. I am a glory giving spirit. I am a multiplying giving spirit. I am a victorious giving spirit. I am an establishing giving spirit. I am a conquering giving spirit. I am a resurrecting giving spirit. I am a potentate giving spirit. I am a kingdom and heavenly giving spirit. I am a secure giving spirit. I am a hope giving spirit. I am a signs, wonders, and notable miracle giving spirit. I am a light giving spirit. What do you sense? It's happening, right? Think about it. As a man thinks, so is he. (laughs) Let's go back to our foundational scripture, right? Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. We want to erase those things that we're not really, that we really are not. And you saw yourself in the reality of who you really are. Probably many of you for the first time saw yourself forgiving. Many of you for the first time saw yourself confident in telling the truth. Many of you saw yourself for the first time being charitable with your time, your talent, or your treasure. Many of you see the light that's on the inside of you. I encourage you to go back over these confessions. Go back through this broadcast and write them down. Get them. Speak them. (laughs) I challenged the the congregation the other night and I'm going to challenge you. These were 40 confessions. I challenge you to come up with 41. Create that 41st confession that through your intimacy, your time spent talking to your Father in heaven, that he wants to reveal back to you more of who he is in you, who he made you to be, the real you, the reality, of the revelation of the reality of you. I want you to challenge yourself there's a young man in our congregation. He's the younger brother of one of the uh, longtime members, and he himself has been in and out of the church for a long time. And, and I, I saw him in the parking lot after service, and I looked him eyeball to eyeball, and I said, get this. Just say one. When you wake up in the morning, just, just get that one. I'm a light-giving spirit. And you get up, on, get up on your day. See yourself as a light-giving spirit. Take it one at a time if you can. There are many that I, throughout the day and through circumstances and situations, have to repeat and ask God to help me see myself as that because I don't want to 
be subject to the lie of who I really am not and make a, a wrong decision like my past. I just this past weekend saw myself in a situation where I had to tell my father, God, I am a forgiving, giving spirit. And as he made it real to me and I saw myself forgiving, I turned right back around to the person and I forgave and I asked for forgiveness. The momentum is happening. The real you is becoming clearer. Pray and ask the Lord to remove the scales from your eyes. You remember the story of Paul that when Jesus Christ knocked him off of his donkey and revealed himself to him. He put scales on his eyes. When those scales fell, he was a new man. You are a new man and woman today. God says that you are royalty. God says that you are of a royal priesthood. Today, you step in that that royalty. You step out in the real you. You believe who God says and who you really are. Not what you've done, but who you really are. (laughs) I have been so blessed to have this time with you. I am so grateful to God that we've had an opportunity to share tonight. I am so just elated that the real you is stepping out. Tomorrow, when you wake up, you've shared these con- you've, you've shared these confessions with yourself. You've, you've repeated them after me, and you saw yourself in them. You understand the power is in the doing, and the words that you grow up with now are the words that are revealing the real you. And I want to pray and ask the Lord that each and every one of you listening right now, don't, don't just keep this for yourself. Share it with your spouse. Share it with your fiancé. Go to your children. Go to your, your siblings. Go to your nieces and nephews. Share it with your parents. This is for us, all of us, to realize who we are that person that you have an off against, that issue that you have with your coworker, or that person in your neighborhood, or that person, unfortunately, that didn't do you right at the store. Go back and become who God says you really are. And in, in doing so, you will help them become the real them. Well, this has been the Master Key on Blog Talk Radio. I am just elated to have had this time to share with you. I want to give honor to Dr. E.J. McKenzie for, his, uh, for the opportunity to share this, these principles with you and share this message that I believe that God has already begun the process. And really, it's already done. You have begun the, real, the process of believing. And I thank God that you will step out in what you saw yourself repeat and do as you believe who God made you to be. I want to welcome you all and just let you know that uh, we do worship at Panorama Christian Center uh, at Miami Northwestern Senior High School in the heart of beautiful Miami. Our address, every uh, service, the, excuse me, the address for the school is 1100 Northwest 71st Street, Miami, Florida, 33150. We meet in the auditorium every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., excuse me, 7 p.m., I beg your pardon. Every Thursday at 7 p.m., service begins, and we, we meet on Sunday for work for new members class at 9 a.m., excuse me, for Sunday school at 9 a.m., and our morning worship begins promptly at 10 a.m., also on uh, Sunday as well. We want to welcome you. We want you to be a part of what God is uh, calling you to do and who he's called you to become. And if you don't have a home church, if you don't have a place where you call your home and your home church, please join us. And if you do, well, we encourage you to support your pastors, to support your man and woman of God, to continue and to bring the real you, what God has said, out every day and every service and be a part of that ministry, not just just be a, uh, a body. <laughs> well, I also want to encourage you, those of you that uh, do not have a place to worship on Sundays, we want to welcome you to a special service that we have on Sunday, September 1st. We have a special guest, uh, Bishop Ronald Kimball from um, from. The uh, Bishop Ronald Kimball is from Eatonville, Florida. Excuse me. His ministry is the Life Center Church, located in Eatonville, Florida. He'll be our guest on Sunday, on uh, Sunday, September first at 10 a.m. We want to welcome you and ask you to be a part of our service if you don't have a place to worship on that Sunday. He's going to teach 
some principles, and I want you to know that you will hear a right now due season word from God. This has been Paul Jacobs, your host, your guest host on The Master Key. I want to give honor again, once again, to Dr. E.J. McKenzie. Please join us every Monday and Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We welcome you back. We welcome the real you. And we know that if you're coming back, it's because you realize who God has created you to be and you have brought somebody along. And we want you to share those confessions and believe them and realize the revelation of who God made you to be. God bless you. Thank you. Enjoy your night. Spend time with the family. Get out there and have some fun and talk to your daddy as best as you can. God bless you. Have a great night. We love you. Thank you.